You're listening to the intro stage from Animaniacs, released June 1994, composed by Tomoyo Tamita. BG Maniacs, welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of the movie bar. Every month with the dyad, it is Bedroth. Hey, it's me. I'm back. I missed the anniversary party. I know. I'm so (laughs) sad about that, dude. You made me sit through in a podcast with Frank again. I haven't had to do that in forever. And let me tell you, I didn't miss doing it. No, I'm just kidding. It was a lot of fun. Ah, you guys were having a blast. I could tell. It was a lot of fun. Tangents. Oh, dude. That's what. That's always what happens when Frank and I sit down and record. It just ends up getting derailed pretty quickly, and we never. we never talk about the music that much because we just get derailed all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> that's okay. Man. That's fun. That's okay. The music can speak for itself. Absolutely. That's why we have Radio Hour. It doesn't even have a lot of music. Or not, it has a lot of music. It doesn't have a lot of talking. <laughs> but. Anyway, before we get to the theme of this episode, which you, like I said, I think I mentioned it last week, uh, this this theme for this week is all on you. But before we talk about it, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts or whatever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zanku. So yeah, Bedroth, we're doing something fun this week, and I, I am really excited about today's episode for a number of reasons. But this spawned off a discussion we were having however many weeks ago that was, when we were talking about video games based on movie adaptations. Yeah, yeah, that was also a really fun episode, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's starting to all kind of swim together in my head, too. Yeah, who but, knows? Yeah, we, when we were talking about that, I at some point, um, I mentioned that it might be fun to do one of these episodes based on cartoons, uh, specifically. Well, not necessarily specifically, but I was thinking about all the cartoon adaptations that that we grew up with uh, which i think a majority of our playlist is that yeah and at least half of mine is games from that era yeah it's all which is fun not all games that i played but all based on shows that i definitely did watch like a lot yeah you did tell me that was your um criteria for yourself was you wanted to limit it to cartoons that you had actually seen and did I do that for myself looking at my list yes yes I did I've seen every cartoon that I picked from cool let me take a look here I 
I've also seen every cartoon that you've picked from. I have seen all but one of the cartoons that you picked from, and I am very much aware of that cartoon. I just never actually watched it, so so we'll get to it. I wonder which one that is. It might be, it's either my last pick, but I think you would have watched that one, even if only a few episodes. I have. I, I definitely have watched that one. But it might be the only pick I have starring mice, if I had to take a guess. <laughs> that might be a good guess. That, that just might be it. <laughs> it's kind of an obscure cartoon, kind of an obscure game, too. But we'll get to that a little bit later. So, yeah, we are we are talking cartoon-based video games. And I don't think, because I know for that movie episode, we limited to ourselves to games that were based on movies that weren't based on other properties. Are any of our sure cartoons based on other properties? Like, I don't know if any of these came from. I think these are all original cartoons as well. If I'm yeah, that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was our goal. I think. And looking at it, I don't think any of this. No, n- none of these were from anything before they were cartoons. Uh, several of them have spun off into other media, but that none of true. them. They were all cartoons first. So, which is good. That means we did everything correctly. We did it. We did it. <laughs> I mean, there's so much good stuff out there. If we don't set some limits on ourselves, we're going to be like doing all, all, all kinds of research that we don't have time for. So right, this way, right. it's more and focused. Our, our playlist would be 30, 30 tracks long because I know that's what you started with when you were narrowing down somewhere around that number. Yep. Yep. It was somewhere around there. And there, there is some good stuff out there. A uh, little bit of mediocre stuff always ends up on that list that I realized when I listened to it the second time. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure why I included this. And some of it might have been nostalgia, you know, either for the show or the game. Right. But yeah. we also decided uh, early on that we weren't going to do... All, all theme songs or all like 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 music from actually from the cartoons which we could have there's some really cool adaptations out there and Absolutely. we did do one exception yeah that, for the opening which, for the opening you told yeah, me you're like your hey track. i'm not picking any theme songs so do you have one and i was like no and you're like well if you do we should use that as the opening i was like all right i'll get one i'll find one i had something else picked from animaniacs i don't even remember which one it was now but um i went ahead and swapped it out for the intro stage to Animaniacs, which released on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I don't think it released anywhere else. It might have, but I know this is from there, the Super Nintendo version. There was version. a version on the Genesis. I don't know if it was the same game. But I don't think it was. I remember back then, remember those those games used to be different on both platforms. I saw it in my research, so... Um, you know what? Now that you say that, I remember, similar, because but... Tomoyo Tomita uh, did the music for the Super Nintendo version, but somebody else did the music for the Genesis version. So now that you say that, I do remember seeing that other name. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, Animaniacs, man. Dude, what a great cartoon. <laughs> great cartoon, and definitely it hits different when you're older, for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely it does, because that entire cartoon, like, it's it's sort of like, okay, so that came out in like 93 or 94, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And I remember I used to always watch it when I got home from school. It was on whatever channel it was on. They always had that block of cartoons in the afternoon, early evening hours. And... I feel like Animaniacs was the South Park of the early 90s, right? Because it was a lot of that, I don't want to say darker humor, because South Park goes way darker than Animaniacs ever has, but more adult humor that really wasn't targeted towards kids, but was still a kid's show. Yeah, like it was, there was a bunch of, you know, zaniness uh, that, that the kids It's in the, it's in the really song, because they're zany. I'm pretty sure that's a word in the theme song. Yep, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. Uh... Yeah, there's any to the max. That's right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I had it's to there. listen to it in my head for a second. It's but, there. 
but yeah, it's and I'm watching it again with my with my older kids now, and and of course, and watching the more recent stuff, it's you know the world is a darker place than it was in 1993, and so uh, the comedy has gotten even darker in some places, but they still it's it's still really tongue in cheek, and there's still a bunch of just silliness that that kids can kids can get into, but yeah, it's. I have seen a couple of those new episodes. I have not finished watching the new release. What was that, last year, I think it was? Or maybe even the year before, I don't remember. But I remember they brought in Maniacs back. Last I year, seen Was I it think, last year? I thought then, it was too. And then there was another season that launched, at the, I think, in the first half of this year. So, Oh, so they're on season two. Yep. Or oh. they, they're either on it or they just recently wrapped it. I think it was one okay. of those where they like, drop them in chunks. Yeah. So, Usually what but happens for streaming services. Good stuff. Good stuff. And and the game was pretty fun, too. It's a really unique, Very fun really game. interesting game. Yeah. So. I really enjoyed this game. This is one that I never owned. I did used to rent it from the video store. I don't want to say often, but often enough that I have beaten it. And I don't usually beat games twice. I mean, that's just a known fact. I say that all the time. But I have finished this game. Kind of a puzzle platformer where you walk around as uh, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, and you can, like, switch which one you're controlling. And they, I think that they had slightly, it wasn't super unique, but they had slightly unique abilities, each one of them. But you also had to make sure you kept your siblings with you because when you were all together, you could like jump on each other and climb up to higher places and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. Cool stuff. Which was a a concept that is still used in a lot of games today. Um, So this was kind of ahead of its time for back then. I remember it being respect. a really good-looking game, too. It was. It was a pretty good-looking game for the Super Nintendo. But, yeah. I mean, that's the intro stage, right? So it makes sense that it would be the theme song. Now, there is a title track, like a title theme as well to this game that plays before you push start. And it's the same thing, more or less. It's just a shorter version. This is the full theme song. And it just loops and loops and loops during that intro stage. But it's pretty good. Yeah, Another great uh, Super Nintendo game from uh same studio and um i think also was this was this capcom i can't remember if animaniacs was Capcom. i don't think it was i have no idea but, but the one i'm thinking of was definitely capcom that's a tiny two adventures buster bus loops i know you had to have played that game all the time i own this game oh but buster bus loose is a fantastic game um also looks really good but the music is great and i almost brought something from buster bus loose konami but then was was animaniacs konami Okay, Konami. That's that's really interesting because they're both. Um, it was both. I don't remember if it was Fox, but it was. They were from the same studio because they're both Spielberg productions. Of course. And it's yeah, it's interesting that one was made by Capcom and one was made, one by, was made by, by Konami. Right. Right. But uh, but yeah, uh, Animaniacs was on in the same block as as uh, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures for a while. It was. I that was another one of the shows that was always on when I got home from school. And I know another game. All of these kind of games. in that. Another game kind of in that, or show kind of in the same, it was, again, in the same family of shows, another Spielberg production that I loved was Freakazoid, and I really wish they would bring Freakazoid back. They never even did a Freakazoid game. I don't think it was I know. quite as popular. I don't think they did. No, but dude, I loved, I loved Freakazoid it. as well. Me too. <laughs> it, was, it was a great so show. Fun. It was a real great show. Damn good. <laughs> but yeah, all good stuff. But um, speaking of Tiny Toons, though... I did listen through to the Buster Bus Loose soundtrack, and as much as I, I loved it, I decided to switch over and check out the soundtrack to this other game that I, I did not ever play. Um, I wasn't even aware of it until I was much older, but I heard a track from this game on another podcast at some point, and I'd never dug into the soundtrack, so I did it for this episode. 
And let me tell you, Buster's Hidden Treasure for the Sega Genesis has some really, really great songs in it. But this is the one that, that stood out above the crowd. So, okay. uh, ready to get into my first block? Go for it. Okay. So, uh, first block of tracks here. Uh, uh, the second two I paired together specifically because they have kind of similar sounds, and they're from two of my favorite Western composers. Oh, but this first okay. one, uh, which I've already introduced, Buster's Hidden Treasure, uh, is uh, is from a Japanese composer. Bringing us into our first block of tracks uh, from, from, from me is Pirate Ship from Tiny Toon Adventures' Buster's Hidden Treasure, released March 1993, composed by Hideto Inoue, Shinji Tasaka, and Tsuyoshi Sekito. Next up, we have The End from Eek the Cat, released August 1994, composed by Barry Leach and Keith Tenman. Thank you. 
And closing out our last track, we have Options and Game Over from Daffy Duck in Hollywood, released January 1995, composed by Matt Furness.
All right, coming out of my block of 16-bit tracks there. That was kind of an accident, but worked out pretty good. We're talking about <laughs> the pirate ship stage from Tiny Toon Adventures Buster's Hidden Treasure. That was a Sega Genesis game. And uh, yeah, if you could, you if you couldn't track, tell dude? by the baseline, <laughs> right? Right. So what did you think of this one, dude? It was kind of funky, right? Like super funky. Um, I really yeah. enjoyed the like, like I already said, the baseline. We were talking about that all throughout the track, and even kind of during your last pick because it was also a Genesis game. But this was a really fun track, dude. That like kept kind of leading heavily in that bass and then would slow down a little bit and then it would pick back up into what I would, you know, I guess call the main melody of this particular track. Um, really good. And what a great show. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great show. I, I like this track because it, it reminds me a lot of the Mystic Cave Zone from Sonic 2. Uh, it's got probably the bass and theremin combination, but yeah, really, really cool stuff. And I looked at some some footage for this game, and it, it, I think I might have seen it on Snestrunk's channel because occasionally he'll do a Genesis episode. And I think he talked about this one, but it looks looks pretty fun. Um, hard to measure up to Buster Bust Loose because it's such a classic. Yeah, I know I said I played all the Tiny Toon Adventure games, but I can't say with any certainty that I've played this game. I don't know that I have. I think the only ones I might have played were the ones on the Super uh, the Super Nintendo. I played, uh, so there were two on the NES, uh, just Tiny Toon Adventures and then Tiny Toon Adventures 2 Trouble in Wacky Land, I think is what it was I called. Know I, didn't, then, I know I didn't play those. And then Buster Bust Loose on the Super Nintendo. And there there was another one, like a sports game or something on the Super yeah, Nintendo. I don't think I ever that played one I've that played. one. That one I played, and I think I even own that one too. But they've all got they've all got pretty good music. There was also one on the NES, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures Cartoon Workshop. It was a sort of a Mario Paint esque game. Didn't have as much versatility, but it had like pre rendered sprite animations and stuff, and you could put yeah, them on certain backgrounds. And I didn't make play them that one either. The, path. Uh, the music wasn't anything really exciting, but it was it was a fun little game. But uh, Konami also did these games. How about that? Yeah, yeah. So just. Um, you know what? I, I was totally wrong earlier. Uh, they Capcom did not do Buster Bust Loose. It was totally Konami. I was yeah. I was off base. So yeah, <laughs> Konami Konami did all the all the Spielberg Which stuff. makes sense now that they had Animaniacs as well. And of course, I, I said it was Fox, and now I'm thinking it was, it's on the freaking water tower that the Animaniacs come out of. It was the WB. WB. It was kids WB. Hundred percent. I didn't even pick, I didn't even pick up on it. Yeah, I didn't even pick up all on it. Brothers. So <laughs> so. But yeah, man, after last week, after last week, we gave you credit for bringing the facts, and now you're just bringing the Frank facts this week. That's that's why <laughs> they're know, all I've wrong. Because that's what that's week. what he that's what he used to do. That's what he used to do. <laughs> I've got the liner notes. But yeah, Tiny Toons was another one. Had definitely had some quite a bit of a of jokes in it that were for the adults who had to watch the show with their kids to get right. Uh, but also, still just just fun stuff. I still remember. Like when Baby Plucky would say that the toilet paper go down the hole and stuff like go down that, the, and he'd always repeat it twice, <laughs> yep. dude. Go down the, mm-hmm. and dude, because I know we're we're not that far apart, but I am a little younger than you. And when this show, because when this show came out in like the early '90s, you were probably what sixth grade. Uh, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, might have been fifth grade. Yeah, because I, I know I was it in kindergarten when it came out. I was in kindergarten. I wanted to say so you it came out in '90 or '91. But yeah. so you would have had to have been in fourth or fifth grade because I was in kindergarten that year. OK. And um, dude, so many kids that I remember just, you know, imitating Plucky and with the go down the hole, <laughs> go down the hole. Plucky was my favorite character on this show, man. 
He was so I funny. I think and Elvira was the name of a character, right? Elmira. Elmira. Because she's it's probably Elmira my favorite Duff character. because she is based on Elmer Fudd. Elmira Duff. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. She's, she's probably my stick. favorite character from this cartoon. Yeah, her whole thing was that she uh, w- would love her pets to death. <laughs> she was one of those kids who was too rough on her pets because she just loved them too much. Right. Um, Elmira actually also was in a spinoff uh, of Pinky and the Brain called Pinky, Elmira, and the Brain, where Pinky and the Brain were oh, Elmira's pets. I don't think pets. I knew that. I don't think I knew that. It ran that. for one season, oh, uh, really okay. late in in, okay. in the lifespan of these shows, but it's on uh, it's on Hulu. If anybody has Hulu, it's it's on there if you want to watch it. I don't remember anything about it. I might have to check it out. Yeah. But yeah, this whole thing it was so cool, and the way they adapted the Looney Tunes with like Furball, who was based on Sylvester. Was, yeah, I thought it was clever. Of course, Buster and Babs, Montana Max as a spinoff of Yosemite Sam. I remember and, that. Yeah, it's all all cool stuff. And my favorite episode of Tiny Tunes, though, uh, the one I always remember, I had a VHS, and this was one of the one of the episodes on it. Was their they did a whole musical review episode where they had animations one. set to popular songs. And that was the first place where I was exposed to They Might Be Giants because oh, they had okay. um, they had uh, Istanbul and Constantinople and Particle Man that uh, they did animated uh, numbers to to those two songs. And. That was a really you know cool. What I what episode. I always remember most about this show was the state capital song. That was Tiny Tunes. I mean, Animaniacs. Wacko's America. Was it? Was it Animaniacs? Damn! It I was. don't know why I was thinking this was this. I thought it was Buster, <laughs> not Wacko. Nope, that was that was Wacko's America. Um, You're right. It was. I don't know why I got that confused. <laughs> That's all right, man. It was a long time ago, and uh, as as you referenced on the show last week, you know you're imbibing. So, oh yeah, I mean you watched me imbibing, do it. To, you watched me do it this week. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but then yeah, coming out of uh, coming out of Tiny Tunes, coming onto a show I don't remember as well. I definitely did watch Eek the Cat. I know there was a a segment in the show starring the incredible Thunder Lizards, who were two big dumb like commando dinosaurs, uh, or three, three dinosaurs. Anyway, I don't remember a whole lot about Eek the Cat. I've never played this game, but I've I did not played watch this game show. either. I, I have seen and, the show. Uh, I think from what I, from what I remember, so I was telling you while we were listening, this is actually a reskin of an Amiga game that Barry Leach composed for called Sleepwalker. And in Sleepwalker, you play as a dog who has to like keep this your your boy um uh, your owner who is a sleepwalker you have to keep him safe as he navigates sort of this like treacherous treacherous level so it's kind of like Rocco's modern life uh, spunky's okay. dangerous day yeah um or, or like lemmings you know where like the actual characters just keep going and you have to control them uh, it's 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 one of those kind of things but I really wanted to play this because Barry Leach is just fantastic. I love all so of Barry good. Leach's stuff. And I like every and, time we get to say Keith Tinman. Yeah, Keith Tinman. <laughs> it's just a fun name. What a great name. But, but this soundtrack is really cool. Uh, most of it is, is similar to this to this level, uh, this this song. But I I thought that you would like this, knowing knowing how you, you know get me. while we're listening. Yep, you know, I know me. <laughs> Such a good track to zone out to, man, and... Yeah, there's something about Barry Leach, right? He's just, 
I don't think recognized enough. I know we've talked about him often on the show and like other podcasts have done the same, but in, t- in the actual community, he's kind of, you know, a lot of people still don't know who he is and that kind of sucks. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Japanese composers tend to dominate a lot of space in the VGM uh, world, but, uh, and so Western composers, with a few exceptions, Western composers tend to not get noticed quite as much. Uh, exceptions are big ones like David Wise and uh, Tim Fallon, Tim and Jeff Fallon, but um, but a lot of other folks like uh, like Barry Leach and, and Matt Furness tend not to get noticed as much. So... Um, I, I'm always excited to, to find some music I can play by, by some of those guys. Yeah, this is a great piece of music. I, I have, like you said, I have no experience with this game. And Eat the Cat, if I'm remembering correctly, was on Fox. Yes, it was. Because it was, it was, a, it was a different, yeah, it was a different block. I remember having to watch this at a different point. But I have seen the show. I did like it. Yeah. Eek was on, uh, it was a big... Fox uh, Saturday morning block that had like X-Men, Spider-Man, The Tick, Eek the Cats, had a bunch of other other stuff like that. And Garfield was my preferred cat. I, I like Garfield more. The Tick is another one. I think that started as a cartoon as well. I can't remember if it was a comic first or if it was a cartoon first, but man, that was that was that was a great show. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Eek all the cartoons cat, were back then, do. All cartoons were not so much anymore, but back then they were all pretty stellar. There are some good ones out there, but there's also a whole lot more just crap. It's I think it's easier to make cartoons these days. And back then, you know, everything was hand drawn. Uh, There was not as much computer animation. And so when they made something into them. Yeah. Yeah. And and they didn't dumb it down like there was uh, they dealt with real stuff. There was uh, some adult humor and adult theme that uh, was still somehow, you know, it was still palatable for kids. Um, they, they kind of lived in that gray area, and I think that's one of the things that made them really good. Um, and you know that that goes back to uh, you know a lot of the early early cartoons, like the Hanna Barbera stuff, uh, some of the early Disney stuff, especially Looney Tunes. I think really set the bar for stuff that kids could watch and enjoy, but that adults would also get something out of. And uh, I mentioned a couple of uh, on last track my, my first track of this block that plucky was my favorite character in tiny tunes and of course plucky is based on daffy duck from the original looney tunes cartoons another another super great character uh, also known for his role as duck dodgers in the 24th and a half century which was <laughs> I, there, there was a level from this next game my last game in this block daffy duck in hollywood that was based on duck dodgers and that was a really cool cool uh cool track but in the end this is the one i picked because because of how much it like changes as the track goes on and i thought it would so good (laughs) i thought it would be really good to play back to back with that eek track but yeah this what matt furness can do with the genesis where he plays with tempo and has all the like the arpeggio stuff going on it's just really fun man and isn't this based on like so daffy duck never had his well he might have had his own show but this was like a cartoon just in like an episode of probably Merry Melodies or something like that. I think that Daffy Duck in Hollywood was one of those. So for a while in, I want to say the 80s, they were doing these like almost TV movie things oh, where they featured okay. certain of the Looney Tunes. Uh, there were things like there was one where, uh, oh gosh, 
I'm like remembering snippets of things, but they did a version of The Night Before Christmas starring the Looney Tunes. They did one where Bugs is like going through and he goes to these different places. He's like searching for something and I don't remember what it was, but what I think they did is they actually like strung different episodes together, but they animated new content to be like in between like sort of transition pieces. And I think they did that with Davy Duck and Hollywood, that it was one of those kinds of things. Um, I remember it very, very vaguely. Um, and I've never played this game, but... Yeah, I don't think I have it, either. Looks pretty good. A lot of the Looney Tunes games on Super Nintendo, I feel like, looked good, but were just kind of forgettable gameplay-wise. Right. Um, the one I remember most is Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally, which was a beautiful game. Owned that game. Yes, I did. Not fun to play. I did not like it. it was... I never finished it. I yeah, never it have finished that game. Hard. It was just janky. It was weird. The sprites were too big, so you couldn't see anything. It was like a high-speed game, but it was like zoomed in one and a half times what Sonic was, and so you couldn't see where you were going. Um Kind of, you know, a good concept, and again, good-looking game, not great in execution. This one, actually, from what I've heard, is it was pretty fun. I just, I just never encountered it. So, so I'm looking here because I was, I was curious. So, the there was like a Daffy VHS that released in 1988 called Cartoon Movie Stars Daffy, which might be what you were thinking about from the it late 80s and that. Because it looks like Daffy Duck in Hollywood did come out in 1938 as okay. as a eight minute seven second cartoon as part of like the Looney Tunes block, which was called Marinelli. I did that, I did remember that correctly. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And this fun fact, Daffy Duck in Hollywood, it was Tex Avery. You know the the mm-hmm. legend in terms the legend. of animators. Yeah, Tex Avery was his last Daffy Duck cartoon. Oh wow. Yep. Okay. I have to go back and watch that when we're done. Daffy Duck yeah. in Hollywood. Yep, Daffy Duck in Hollywood. Because I rem- I remember that. That's what that's what's so confused. Because like I remember that um, cartoon and that style of that of that actual one. I just I don't know why that I, I re- do. So I used to watch a lot of after school cartoons, obviously. But my biggest like cartoon binge when I was little was Looney Tunes and like those older cartoons. So oh, I yeah. always used to get into. You know the the stuff from the 30s and 40s and 50s, and I, I never even still like never liked a ton of the current stuff as much as I did the older stuff. And the Looney Tunes stuff was always always great. Looney Tunes, and then later Merry Melodies, uh, and uh, kind of a through line into what what we're doing today is that so much of of I mean they're called Looney Tunes because they had like live orchestras recording sound for for the episodes and the music in those was actually was really good really dynamic and it really went along with the animation in a way to help tell the story uh not just in the big musical stuff like uh you know the kill the wabbit uh um opera right. thing but but just in in the general the general episodes uh, even even to the point where disney started doing like imitating them in their uh silly symphonies and happy harmonies things that they started doing which were even just based with the names were obviously ripoffs of what what warner brothers was doing with looney tunes so um so yeah when you can inspire disney you know you're doing something right yeah for sure so i'm gonna take that and run because that's a perfect transition to my first track and my next block because <laughs> it's oh, from I disney actually, i 
totally did that by accident this time. (laughs) (laughs) Happens to be from Disney, but I'm going to take it and run. So I have another Konami game in here, actually. Um, But the first game that I'm talking about here that is from Disney actually was by Capcom, because I think Capcom did have the license for, like, a majority of those Disney games back in the day. Yes, yeah. Um, But we've got a a pretty fun block here, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you haven't heard the middle track of this block, you're probably going to love it. So I have not heard it, and I'm excited. Oh, good, good, (laughs) then I'm glad. So let's kick things off. We, Like I said, we're starting with a Disney property here. Let's take a listen to Zone J from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. This released on June 9th, 1990, and it was composed by Harumi Fujita. Next, we'll be taking a listen to the Redbeard Ghost Boss from Scooby-Doo Night of 100 Frights, released May 22, 2002, composed by Todd Dennis, Howard Uliati, and Tommy Tallarico.
Last up for this block, we'll take a listen to Race Theme Number 1 from Biker Mice from Mars. Released in December 1994, composed by Hedito Inoue and Nobuyuki Akina. In, we are talking about Zone J from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I, first of all, I love Chippendale. And oh, man. I, yeah. I love Chippendale. Not the Chippendales, though. I'm not going to give them any flack, right? Chippendale's out there doing what they do best. Yeah. But. Yeah, sure. But, <laughs> Ch- but Chippendale, Chip man. Dale. Chippendale. I was just watching, just watching some of the classic shorts on Disney Plus with my kids, like the one where... Uh, where Donald is working in, in the giant walnut and selling nut yes, butter. Yes, yes. And they're trying to break in. And the one where uh, uh, it's winter and Donald's popping popcorn. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's great stuff. They, they love terrorizing Donald and Pluto. There's a Christmas episode of Donald, and it might be a, a special, but like he's got Huey, Louie, what were the names? Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah. So they're staying over and like... They wish it was Christmas every day, right? And the the loop of the episode is every day it's Christmas, and eventually they get tired of it being Christmas, and they have to like figure out how to get it to go back. And you know, it, it teaches this like heartwarming story of appreciate what you have while it's there, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. there's a tree in it, and Chippendale are in that tree. So like they always they would always like guest appear in some of those other Disney cartoons, which I always kind of enjoyed. Because did they have their own show in the day? I think they, they, had, might they, have they had did a eventually. Few, they did eventually, I think. They might have had a few episodes here and there that were just about Chip and Dale. So I, I again, I had a VHS that had like some collected Chip and Dale cartoons on them, but but I know that for the most part they would they would serve as like sort of pest characters for again mostly Pluto and Donald. So their first show would, may have been Rescue Rangers then in the eighties, like their first. It actual may have been show. like the first dedicated one, yeah. which was also fantastic, just a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic show. show. I love you know, this show. Everybody knows, of course, the Ducktales theme song, but for my money, the Rescue Rangers theme song was the best Disney afternoon theme song. Rescue Rangers, Chip and Dale, dude, it's so good. 
and all their all their their friends like Gadget, Monterey Jack, and Zipper. Yes, just oh just just God, such dude. cool stuff. Did you watch the? Shout out to did the, you have to watch the movie recently? Yeah, we. I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Man, have you seen it? No. <laughs> oh, you got to check it out, dude. You got to check it out. It's That's what Kyle was saying, too. They did a Media yeah. Files episode on it, and I haven't watched mm-hmm. it yet. It, it was right on the money. It's it's so unexpectedly good and uh, just so meta. Like, it's it's totally not at all, like, in the vein of the show. The, the premise is that Chip and Dale are actors, and that the show was, like, their, that was their big break. That was their big deal. But it was also like the climax of their lives. Like everything since then has been downhill. And so they're like these like out of work, um, you know, has been actors who get caught up in this real life caper. And it's it's a really, really cool, cool movie. But but yeah, man, the show is just great. And this game was so much fun. Dude, dude, it like was so good. This and the second before, game, both games were great. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were. Yeah. Yeah, Chip and Dale 2. Again, Chip and Dale 2, I think, better than DuckTales 2. Uh, DuckTales 2 Probably, okay. yeah. DuckTales, I think, still better than really Chippendales. Yes. The first DuckTales. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. But sequel-wise, Chip and Dale were, were better. But, man, decades before Super Mario Bros. Wii, this was the game that could, like, ruin friendships. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because you could pick up Player 2 and throw them at enemies or throw them off cliffs. You could, which was amazing. <laughs> It was so fun. It was cool. It was good so animation good. for uh, for an NES game, but it was. Yeah, it really classic was. Classic Capcom music. And we don't fa- have yes, from fantastic. Yeah, we didn't. I was. I and I. I purposely avoided Ducktales. I know we played a decent amount I of Ducktales in the past on the show, so I purposely avoided that one. I avoided that one. I avoided the uh, the Mickey uh, Super NES games because I feel like those already get kind of quite a bit of play, but I had this exact song on my short list. And, nice. Um, Actually, something from another uh, similar game that we'll be talking about in uh, your next block. But okay, uh, this was the, this, man. I just I, I love these games so much. And Harumi Fujita of Mega Man Three. She composed Gemini Man and Needle Man's music for Mega Man Three, and she did and this you whole can definitely hear Mega Man in this particular track too. Like you can hear that that style for sure that she's known for. Um, all right, well that middle track, yeah, the one you were excited for me to listen to. That was so yeah. much fun, dude. So yeah, I, I was hoping like you cartoon. would enjoy that. Right, I was hoping that you would enjoy that. Obviously, you know, Scooby Doo has that. I mean, really, it's a big stoner vibe in general, right? When you look at Shaggy and Scooby. But, yep, um, absolutely. This was the time frame, right? Late 60s, early 70s. Everyone was out there just living life to its fullest, getting high and eating shrooms every single day. And <laughs> yep. this cartoon definitely portrayed that quite a bit. But you were talking to me while we were listening to this. It really does. Now, It's. I don't think it is because I did find the actual vocalist for this track. His name's Craig Zubchevic. Z-U-B-C-H-E-V-I-C-H. Um, I don't think he was obviously back then doing the vocals for the Scooby-Doo cartoons, but he does the style very well. It almost sounds like it. Yeah, that sort of almost faux surf rock style yeah. of the chase scenes on Scooby-Doo. And... Uh, even the box art on on this YouTube video, uh, you're, the villains are like classic Scooby Doo uh, bad guys, and I love those old Scooby Doo cartoons, man. Me uh, the, too. the later ones, it starts getting more like actually supernatural, where it's not all just you know 
you know, the caretaker who wants to get the mansion for himself. And so he dresses up as a zombie, you know, that there's like actual zombies in some of the new stuff, but um, which is okay, but it's different because it's like you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. But right now, Night of a Hundred Frights is a game that I've played. Another one that I've not owned, but I did play it on the PlayStation 2. And okay, the PS2. Gotcha. Yeah, so this was this was a GameCube, PS2, Xbox game, and you basically were playing as Scooby the entire game, and it took place in this like haunted mansion, you know, Luigi's Mansion type of a thing, and actually, I wonder. Now that I'm saying that, because that just never dawned on me. But Luigi's Mansion came out in 2001 when the GameCube released. So I'm wondering... Right? If maybe yeah, this was... Did. If this was inspired by that. Because it is set in, like, a, a big mansion and full of ghosts. And you are basically hunting your friends, the gang, right? Throughout the haunted house trying to find them after they've been kidnapped by these ghosts and bad characters. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, very similar premise, so... Yeah, yeah, kind of, you know, platforming in nature. There's some attacking involved where you can attack some of the the enemies that you encounter, but it is... No, dude, I wonder if it really was inspired or at least changed direction once they saw Luigi's Mansion and like, well, hell, <laughs> why don't we just do that with Scooby-Doo? Because it fits perfectly anyway. Um, <laughs> this soundtrack, though, crazy enough was actually helmed up by Tommy Tallarico Studios. So huh. Tommy Tallarico actually is one of the main composers of this game with Todd Dennis and Howard Ulati. Or Yeah, I think I'm saying that right. Ulati. I'm pretty sure I'm saying his last name right. Um, maybe it's Ulyat. Probably not, though. Not the typical Tommy Tallarico type stuff you're used to hearing for this soundtrack. Yeah, it's really not. This entire soundtrack, the boss music is all vocals like that. So it's kind of tongue-in-cheek where they're talking, breaking that fourth wall. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to compare it to, like, Conquer because that was a different take on boss music with vocals, but this one definitely yeah. definitely brings something kind of cool for its boss fights. The only tracks in the game that are vocalized outside of, like, you know, this scooby dooby doo where are you? You've got some work to right. do now. Song, so. Theme song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and Great then for stuff. my last track, classic. we are going back yeah. to Konami, <laughs> and we are talking about Biker Mice from Mars, a cartoon that, dude, I used to really enjoy the hell out of. I was a, I was a fan of Biker Mice from Mars. I thought this was a really cool concept and a really cool game. Um, the game was basically a racing game, like I was telling you while we were listening to the track, where you pick one of the mice and then just kind of race around the tracks and hope, hope you win. But the actual cartoon itself, I, I thought it was kind of cool because those three mice basically, you know, they had just escaped their home planet. This war was going on on their home planet and they are here to defend Earth um, because I guess the bad guys were had their sights set on Earth next or something like that, if I'm remembering correctly. But they were coming to defend Earth um, and then hopefully return back to, obviously... Mars, right? Because they're the biker mice from Mars. So that was their home planet. 
so crazy, man. And this is like right in the middle of uh, everybody was trying to, to build off the Ninja Turtles. You had, right. of course, you had the Battletoads, but you got the Biker Mice from Mars, the Cowboys of Moon Mesa, SWAT Cats, <laughs> uh, Street Sharks, you yeah. know, all these, all these animal superheroes. But um, this was a really cool concept. I think I might have been getting a little bit old for, or thought I was getting a little old for these kind of cartoons when, by the time Biker Mice from Mars came out. Well, because this originally so, ran from 90, just, 93 to 96, so... 93 from 96. Okay, so maybe I just it just never popped up on my radar, but uh, but it, it, it sounds like I love it. I love the random premise, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably the craziest just name of a show since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, Biker oh, yeah. Mice from Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to throw a bunch of stuff in here that, that, you know, boys 7 to 12 just love. Biker mice from Mars. <laughs> exactly. Cool and you know what's absolutely crazy is that uh, Stan Lee is one of the executive producers of the show. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Didn't know that. Yeah, Stan Lee um, had a hand in this show. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. It reminded me of Battletoads and Battle Maniacs, but also mm-hmm. it did remind me of what little I, I remember from like the commercials for the for the show as well. Right. It captured I mean, and this is the actual like first race, so they definitely went for the the more common music, so probably used in commercials even was this particular track. Um Yeah. I don't I Going back and playing it again, because I haven't done that since it came out, I don't know that I would think this was a fun game, but I enjoyed it when I was little. Our threshold for that kind of thing is probably different than when we were right. young. <laughs> right. I don't Younger think I would enjoy it as much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the show, uh, how much the show would stand up for you if you went back and I don't and know. No. See, that that's interesting, because when you and I are listening to that track and I, I was kind of looking at this again, I didn't even realize there was a reboot of Biker Mice from Mars that released in 2006 on uh, GMTV, which apparently is like Good Morning Television. Um, I don't really know what station this is because I don't think I've ever heard of it. Uh, yeah, but, but, but <laughs> you're mentioning the reboot and that it was kind of a continuation. Of yeah, the original, it was. It was it, really it picked cool. right up right after the original cartoon series had ended. It only did get one series, or I'm sorry, one season for the reboot with 28 episodes. All right, man. Well, let's kick to your next block. Your middle track there was from Scooby-Doo, of course, one of Hanna-Barbera's more famous, um, you know, like A-tier shows. Another A-tier show from Hanna-Barbera was, of course, The Jetsons. And uh, yes. talk a little more. Um, I've got some history with Jetsons. I was really, really excited to find this soundtrack. We'll talk about that when I come back, too. But first, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Starting my next block, we're going to be listening to Music 4 from the Jetsons, Cogswell's Caper, released December of 1992, composed by Iku Mizutani and Kazuko Umino. Thank you. 
This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Next up, we're going to listen to Workshop, or Quirky Worky Song, from Phineas and Ferb, Quest for Cool Stuff, released August 13th, 2013, composed by Danny Jacob. Closing out this block, we have Domain of the Gobblewonker, or Lake Stage, from Gravity Falls, Legend of the Gnome Gemulets, released October 20th, 2015, composed by Nicholas Bonardi.
Coming back, we are talking about Music 4 from The Jetsons, Cogswell's Caper. And man, I was excited to find this soundtrack. I was telling you, I had so many tracks from this on, on, on my list I had to narrow down. And I almost uh, I almost brought two tracks from this game. Oh, wow. Um, that's how much I enjoyed it, which I never do. I never bring two tracks from the same game. But uh, Music 4, Music 7, and Music 8 were the standouts for me, but everything I listened to on this it just like I kept going to the next track and thinking there's got to be some filler in here somewhere but no this is Ikumizutani firing on all cylinders he's and, so uh, good Kazuko man Uno also here. he's so yeah. good I remember we did an episode focused on Natsume music and a lot of those picks came from Ikumizutani and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's the episode that Frank actually brought another submission from this same game on I'm pretty sure that that would make sense. I was I was surprised when I I saw that this game had popped up on your list because <laughs> I've never heard a single person talk about this game or this soundtrack. And oh, you, you missed know, that episode even, apparently. Even games uh, I I must have yeah I either that or it just kind of slipped by me you know I, it went out of my head because because you guys have played so many like thousands of songs or hundreds of songs since then, but I just. When I found this 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 soundtrack, I was like, I was so excited because it's so rare nowadays that I, I come across what I think of as a true hidden gem. Right. It's, it's it's not you know sometimes you stumble across something and you're like this is the greatest thing ever. Then you go online to talk about it and everybody's like, yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely this, a, um, a it's a very appreciated soundtrack for the NES. It has a lot of love behind it from the online community. That's so cool. That is cool. Uh, but there's another guy, um, another one of my podcaster friends who's a big, big Ikumisutani fan. Actually was one of his masters of EGM. And I mentioned this soundtrack to him and he's like, no, I, I don't think I had heard of that one. And so I played a couple of and he was like, whoa, this is really good stuff. <laughs> so, But the Jetsons was also, it was a really cool show. I, I remember the movie and the Flintstones crossover movie more than anything else from the Jetsons. But um, so did you watch much of the Jetsons growing up, if any at all? I did. So I obviously I talked about Scooby-Doo there, right? Hanna-Barbera. I was a big Hanna-Barbera fan as well. So again, kind of like older cartoons more so, right? These are from... Were they from the 60s, 70s? Uh, I want to say the, fi- the 50s or the 60s, I think. Uh, maybe somewhere, 70s. Some, somewhere in that area, because I remember I know, my mom. The Flintstones, mom, I'm pretty sure, started in the 50s, and that was the first big one. The Flintstones is probably my favorite Hanna-Barbera property. And I remember my mom, who was born in 1962, was a big fan of the Flintstones when she was a kid, which is a big reason why I watched the Flintstones, because she still watched it. Um, gotcha. But um, I used to watch the Jetsons pretty regularly and was always a big fan of it. And this is a game that I've actually played as well. And I'm pretty sure I even talked about that when when Frank and I were talking about it back in that episode. Um, It's it's an okay game. I I would probably say a little little average at best. But it it was a, a side-scrolling kind of like action-y, not really platforming, but light platforming. And from what I remember about this game, there were some switches that would change certain things about the level. And we did play a track from Rescue Rangers, and we were talking about, obviously, you know, how you could pick up player two and throw them. Well, this game brought some elements of Rescue Rangers into it where George Jetson was able to, like, pick up 
boxes, if I'm remembering correctly, and throw them at the enemies as like one of his weapons. That sounds about right. I I never played uh, played this game. I have seen some screenshots and stuff now after I discovered the soundtrack, but I did play. I almost brought a couple of tracks. Um, or I considered a couple of tracks from the Flintstones, the rescue of Dino and Hoppy on the NES, which is the, that's the Hanna-Barbera NES game that I played a lot of. Um, okay. That was a real, that was a fun game in hindsight. Again, I think maybe average to above average, but, but I remember having a lot of fun with it when I was a kid and there was some pretty fun music in there, but nothing on this level. <laughs> no, no, this is a freaking I don't even want to say it's a hidden gem, but it kind of is, right? I mean, the game isn't that well known, but this soundtrack, once you discover it, it should be one of your favorite NES soundtracks because it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good stuff. And uh, I accidentally, uh, I, I avoided a couple of songs that when I listened to them, I totally knew that they were from the shows that uh, that I was pulling them from and so I, I ended up not bringing them because of that reason um, <laughs> although I will mention uh, this Jetsons track music for does have a little bit of an echo of the meet George Jetson it does uh, theme song. a little bit yeah uh, a little, little bit of a riff on it kind of like how the Ninja Turtles games would call back to the theme song but this next track uh, is definitely uh, you, you 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 recognize it it's straight from the show uh, Phineas and Ferb quest for cool stuff this is the workshop theme also called quirky worky song so good and whenever they have like montages of when they're building like a big you know one of their big things the i know what we're gonna do today kind of things yep it's uh this is the song that plays and man it's so delightful it would have fit in perfectly last week on the acoustic or last time on the acoustic episode last time i was here oh yeah this is such a fun cartoon too like very kind of, you know, I, I love Perry the Platypus, kind of a kind of mm-hmm. a fun character and just a kind of a crazy cartoon that reminds me a lot of some of those mid to late 90s cartoons that started to explore some different themes. But this is a game that I've never played. I've never played this game. I never have either. Uh, I love the cartoon and watch it a lot with my kids. And it, it's so clever. It does not dumb down the humor. There's some like really sophisticated stuff going on. And they make references that are not adult in like content, but they're adult in like the level, like like the, the level that they engage you on mentally. Um, Doofenshmirtz is maybe one of my favorite cartoon characters ever. I love Dr. Okay. Doofenshmirtz. He's just such a goofy guy, and he, like, he aspires to be evil, but I think he's actually, like, too good of a person to really be evil. <laughs> and uh, he's just, he's such a good dad. He loves his, his daughter so much, and um, ah, Doofenshmirtz is just such, he's the most adorable bad guy ever. And uh, the music in this show, though, is friggin' fantastic. Yeah, really, done, really by, done by the same guy that did the soundtrack to this game, Danny Jacob. Also, along with the, uh, I don't remember their names, but the um, showrunners for Phineas and Ferb were also music guys. And I think that they worked with Danny Jacob on some of the stuff. Like, there's a band that comes back a couple of times in the show called Love Handle. And I think that's Danny Jacob and the two showrunners, unless I am mistaken, are the, the Love Handle guys. And nice. It's a... Uh, it's, but it's just really good stuff. And this one and the next uh, track are both from properties that uh, I, I really I brought them because if some of those first ones I brought represent my childhood, then these two, Phineas and Ferb and Gravity Falls, really represent like what I've shared with my kids over the last right. 10 years. Right. These two are 
We love a lot of the, the Disney stuff, like these two, uh, the new DuckTales. Um, we, we watch all those things, and just, it's really good stuff. Uh, the Owl House is another really great one. Amphibia is another fairly recent one. It was really, really good. Um, and But Gravity Falls was the one that kind of started for me, that, that Disney renaissance of cooler slightly darker get into more serious themes like those kinds of shows but that are just really heartfelt and uh, I love them love watching this stuff with my kids Kyle loves this show too Gravity Falls and Over the Garden Wall are two cartoons that he talk about that he talks about all the damn time he loves this cartoon I've heard of Over the Garden Wall I'll have to see if I can check that out that one and Hilda are two that I've, I've wanted to check out and I just we haven't gotten into but uh but there were a couple of these Gravity Falls tracks that I, I thought about bringing, but this one stood out I'm to me because... I'm glad you picked this one. I yeah, love this one. Domain of the Gobblewonker. Total surf rock. Like, coming off, we, you had that one on our acoustic episode. A lot of and, surf rock uh, lately, baby. I need to yep. bleach my hair blonde and pick up the surfboard, I guess. <laughs> but good stuff. And, and again, kind of a... This one calls back to a couple of tracks, actually. It's uh, got a, that same feel as your, your Scooby-Doo track, which, of course, mm-hmm. you know, got some surf rock vibes there. But I also love it because it pairs it with the theremin, which is a, a total... Gravity Falls is kind of a, like like an X-Files vibe, and so it's got that spooky sort of kid, kid spooky thing going on, at which the theremin, of course, is, is great. And that calls back to that theremin from Eek the Cat. So. Oh, dude, I know. Tied it all together. Without even meaning to. I'm just yeah, that good. Just but. that good, baby. <laughs> just that good. This track might be one of my favorites after I heard it that we've actually played on the episode today. Um, cool. I love that sound and that vibe. And it does have enough of the spooky elements to remind me of Halloween in the month of October, which is always my favorite month of the year. Cool. Cool, man. This has the same... Uh, um, oh, yeah, I, I remember. You always talk about that. Every year when it comes around October, you talk about how you love it so much. Mm-hmm. That's why I worked at a haunted house for so many years. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And this this uh, this show, it's, it's a really October show. Uh, it is. Got- Every October, Kyle tries to get me to, to watch, because I've only seen like bits and pieces of Gravity Falls. Uh, every October, he tries to get me to watch this and Over the Garden, because Over the Garden Wall is a very Halloween-centric like show so uh the show dusk has been watching is uh, dead end paranormal park ah uh, okay so not on, this one yeah on, not it's, this one. it's currently streaming on something or other but she said that one was really good uh, okay. so yeah I'll have to check it out maybe. It, man. another one that you might like for halloween stuff it's got some spookiness and it is the owl house uh, i know really fantastic show makes me uh makes me excited for what we have lined up if if nothing changes for october this year I always love that month for PG Mania. It's always themed around the season. Can't wait. Can't freaking wait. And you know, you would think when you first hear of it that uh, that your first track in this next block has some darkness in it, but it totally does not. It's just straight up goofiness. Although, Oh yeah, it's just, it's straight. It's pretty crazy. And, uh, you know. The game is super cool. But the, the show, game, man, the show is just goofy. Yes, goofy wonderfulness. It, it really is. And... This is another show from Disney that I I was kind of a big fan of back in the day. I always did enjoy me some some Darkwing Duck, and it's just a fun spinoff, right? Like, they they just spun off their main characters into so many other type of shows, which was always entertaining. But 
We're talking about it. Let's go ahead and jump to the last block of tracks we have on the episode today before we close things out. So to kick us off, we have the Quacker Jack stage from Darkwing Duck. This released in June 1992 and was composed by Yasuaki Fujita. Next up, let's take a listen to To the South from Goof Troop, released in July 1993, composed by Yuki Awai. Last up in this block, we'll take a listen to A Hero Is Born from South Park, The Stick of Truth, released March 4th, 2014, composed by Jamie Dunlap.
coming back in for the final time today. We are talking about the Quacker Jack stage from Darkwing Duck. A game that I really did enjoy and a show that I really freaking enjoyed as well, dude. Um, yeah, absolutely. I loved Darkwing Duck, man. It was so good. It's, man, it's just, I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll start with the music. This track is such a classic, man. Uh, just, we, we, we honestly could have just done a Disney afternoon episode. Yeah, we could just have. Just played music from all the Disney Capcom games, but I think pound for pound, this may be the best Disney game, like Disney afternoon game soundtrack, because every single track is just so good. Uh, I had three other ones besides this one on my list, and the only reason I didn't have this one is because I think it's like, this is like the Wily stage one. Of, yeah. <laughs> and speaking Dark of, Duck. it's the other uh, Mega Man 3 composer, right? I know we played one earlier with uh, Rescue Rangers. Yeah. Rescue so Rangers, this is the yeah, other. Rescue Rangers composer Harui Fujita did um, was originally going to do more, but she got pregnant partway through, and so uh, no relation, by the way, to anyone who doesn't know. Yasuaki Fujita, Harumi Fujita were not married. Yeah, they, they were not. the same last name. I know. <laughs> but Harumi Fujita did Gemini Man and Needle Man, and Yasuaki Fujita did everything else. So. Right. Right. And what's what's funny is that this this game actually takes a lot of elements from Mega Man as well. Like this game actually yes. plays a lot like a Mega Man game. It does. With, with the added mechanic that uh, you can grapple, like you can grab the bottoms of platforms yeah. and then pull yourself up, which was a which really cool kind of made it addition. more fun at, at the same yep. time. Yeah. yeah. But I, I want to say the level design was not quite to the uh, no to that Mega Man level, but the, just the gameplay itself. It was it was a really fun game, right? And, and a really and fun show, music, just fantastic. It was a great show, man. I I adored this show. Uh, Me too. Again, Jim Cummings, voice yep. of Darkwing Duck, mm -hmm. and Rob Paulson, voice of uh, Steel Beak, one of the big bads, and uh, lots of really legendary voice actors in this show. Um, lots of really great villains, uh, Taurus, Bulba, Tusker, Nini, um, Dr. Bushroot, <laughs> Megavolt, Quackerjack, yeah. Liquidator, all these. Just, oh, the Quackerjack stage. He had such stage. a great rogues gallery. Yeah. Yeah. He had such a great rogues gallery. And Quackerjack was sort of a combination of uh, the Joker, but also like Toyman or the Tinker from, from Batman. Um, it's just, just so good. And I also, I love, uh, Darkwing comes into play in a couple of episodes of DuckTales Reboot from the last few years. Yep. Really and great episodes Speaking there, of reboots, they are working on a Darkwing Duck reboot for Disney Plus as well. They are, yeah. I don't think it's going to be the same character from DuckTales. I think it's going to be kind of a slightly different take on it, so it's not just a straight spinoff, but I'm excited either way. Yeah, I'll watch it, for sure. Of course, uh, Launchpad from the original DuckTales was the sidekick in the original Darkwing Duck. And, but yeah, this was such a great... Another fantastic theme song as well. It really is. It really is, yeah. We could have those, probably... Those Disney afternoon cartoons had, had really great music. Yeah, we could have played the entire episode as theme songs if we really wanted to, because... <laughs> we could have. Man, yep. it, it, it is so good. <laughs> And like you said, it, it's such a great soundtrack from top to bottom. It really is. I just, I went with one of the more well-known ones again for, for my submissions, yep. but. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's the best track in the game. So it probably not? is. It probably is <laughs> by far. Yeah, it probably is. Another game that I really enjoyed the hell out of back in the day is Goof Troop 
on the Super Nintendo. And this, obviously, we're talking about To the South, which has some definite tropical steel drum vibes going on, right? I always love that vibe and sound. Um, Great show, again. I know we're saying that a lot on the cartoons we're talking about today, but this entire show and, like, a goofy movie and everything, right? Such great freaking shows and movies. It's so good. It is so good. I liked it when I was a kid, but then ever since I became a dad, and especially <laughs> as, as Shukapau has gotten older, I just, it hits me at the feels so hard. Because, you know, before I was Max, and now I'm Goofy. Like, right. <laughs> I embrace it. I have a Goofy coffee mug. I have a Goofy t-shirt that I wore to Disney. Like, Goofy is 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 me. That's my character. Right, so, right. that's you. That's exactly you. Oh, so good. But this was a great show. It um, was. Never played the game. Oh, you but... should have. And you probably still could. I mean, it probably still holds oh, yeah, up pretty I'm sure well. I still could. Um, I'll have to boot it up one of these times. This is a game that I really enjoyed the heck out of back in the day. I never owned it again. This is one that I didn't own, but I did rent it from the video store quite a few times. And I know the last time we played a track from this game, I talked about the same story, but I'm going to tell it again because it's been so long. Um, I had a friend over. His name was Craig. And he was actually playing, I, I don't know how far into this game he had gotten, but he, he was probably playing for like over an hour or two in, into Goof Troop. And he had to leave. Like his dad, who was a teacher at the school, well, at the high school that, that Craig and I went to, we were still in elementary school at the time, but his dad was picking him up and like he wouldn't put the controller down. He just kept playing and like wasn't leaving. So... I was kind of a a jerk as a kid and, you know, somewhat still am sometimes. But um, I ended up just because I wanted to play at that point. He had been playing for over two hours and it was time for him to leave anyway. So I wanted to play. I just unplugged the console from the wall (laughs) and I got in so much trouble, dude. I got in my my dad was pit because my dad was still alive at the time. He didn't pass away until a year later. He passed away in May of 94. This came out in July of 93. And I think we were probably playing it sometime in the fall or the winter of 93. So he was still there. Um, He got so freaking mad at me for being kind of an asshole and just, you know, unplugging the console. I did not get to play Goof Troop that night. I'll tell you that much. I did not play Goof Troop. That was my intent behind it. I did not play it that night. I think he played it instead, probably. (laughs) Good dad calls his kid out for being an asshole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But it's such a fun game, though, man. You're kind of, you know, solving puzzles, going through these levels. It does have... Some some inspiration from other Nintendo popular titles, um, but it's a great game. It's really cool, really fun. And and there's a grappling hook in this game too. Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> Do you know if this was this on the Disney Afternoon Collection that came out a couple years ago? Probably, but I don't know for sure. This Let's fact check <laughs> Disney Afternoon. I want to say probably. I'm still- I'm still annoyed that that game never came out for Switch. It was not. Oh, wow. This, these were early games. So the Disney Afternoon Collection was DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales 2, and Rescue Rangers 2. So these okay. were the early it was games. It's all NES. I all wonder, NES. I wonder if there is any intention of doing, like, a second round with some of the, like, 16-bit games. Like this one and the like the Game Boy games, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, because they probably wouldn't put like, 
well, because Aladdin and Lion King weren't afternoon shows. Those were movies anyway. I was just trying to think of other 16-bit yeah. games they could put in there. Um, yeah, I can't actually think of any no, besides no, I couldn't Goof Troop. Unless they did, like, just Disney and not necessarily Disney Afternoon. But, right. But they're probably, because like, they there was... Mickey, Donald, and Goofy stuff. They could do, like, Mickey Mouse, and they could do, like, Quack Shot, and... Well, there were six Goof games Troop. in the first Afternoon collection. I don't really know how many Disney shows were on in the afternoon back in the day. Afternoons, 19 Well, those were the big ones. Uh, Tailspin, DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Goof Troop, Darkwing Duck. Uh, there okay. were some other ones so, a little later on. So like here, we, Bonkers. here we go. I was going to say Bonkers is on there. Aladdin technically is in uh, there. There was oh, a... Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, uh, the TV show Aladdin. As was The Lion King technically, but it was The Lion King's Timon and Pumbaa. Timon they had and their Pumbaa. own show. Yep. Yeah, uh, there was a Little Mermaid show. That I, I don't know if it was ever part of Disney Afternoon, but I know it there was, was a not. Little Mermaid TV show. It was not, according uh, to this Quack list Pack. that I found. Quack Pack is on there. Mighty Ducks is on there. <laughs> oh, the Mighty Ducks, dude. The Mighty <laughs> yeah. freaking Ducks. Mighty Ducks is on Prop there. Jeff has a soft spot for that, that show. <laughs> that, was a, that was a cool show. Um, but they could also Nothing do... Nothing to do with the movies at all. <laughs> Gargoyles. It, it was Ducks that played hockey. Gargoyles was on there. Gargoyles, and Gargoyles <gasps> had a game, too. How did I freaking forget Gargoyles? I, mm-hmm. Oh, I love that show, dude. Me I too. love that show. Gargoyles so was good. awesome. Yep, Gargoyles was awesome. They should totally bring Gargoyles back. And the first the show. first cartoon to be part of that block was uh, The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. I don't know. Oh, the Gummy Bears. I don't know if there's a video game based on the Gummy Bears. I don't think there is. I don't know, but there could be, though. There <laughs> should there be with be. The, the, little, uh, the potion they drank that made them all bouncy. Yeah. That'd be a good game mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> they could make it in the style of Zelda. <laughs> the one wears a green tunic anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, that's I'm fun. getting all the theme songs in my head. I'm just full of feels. This I is know. good stuff. That's fun. That's the whole point of this episode, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then for my last pick for the episode, before we talk about your closeout, these two tracks go hand in hand, really, in terms of the way that they sound. But yeah, I had so to include something. I had to from South Park. And obviously, when I'm when I'm thinking South Park games, I'm, I'm more thinking now the Stick of Truth and the Fractured But Whole from the more recent consoles. But yes, there were some yeah. interesting South Park games back in the day, and like the PlayStation N64 Dreamcast era with like Chef's Love Shack, which was an original game that I owned on the Dreamcast. And then there was that terrible N64 South Park game that I also think came out on PlayStation. But, oh, I'd um, forgotten about that, dude. Oh, dude, it sucked. It <laughs> that, absolutely that <laughs> sucked. But I rode my bike to the video store to rent that game because I was so excited to play a South Park game. And I probably loved it. I'm not going to lie. I was a big fan and still am a big fan of South Park. No, man, it probably is one of my favorite cartoons. Episode. I talked about how I love the Roger Rabbit game and it really isn't that good. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. But South Park has always been, since it debuted, and still is to this day, and may actually be my favorite cartoon of all time. Like, I actually love South Park. Oh, yeah. I am a big South Park fan. Um, Obviously, it's it's quite quite dark in its humor, and and Matt and Trey Parker, or Matt Stone and Trey Parker, um, they... They know how to get away with basically anything, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they do. They they, they do. tow and push more lines on this cartoon than even Family Guy to an extent. I know Family Guy and South Park have this like friendly rivalry between the two, but 
I think what they get away with on South Park is quite a bit worse than what Family Guy does. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Family Guy hasn't had to move. Uh, well, they did move. Did Family Guy move to Comedy Central from Fox? I don't. I honestly don't know. Maybe. I don't. I feel like Family Guy is still on network TV. I feel like it is you too. Can't, you can't push those same boundaries. But yeah, South Park had to go to uh, to cable because of how far they went. Oh yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I it's still on Fox. Respect. Family Guy is still on Fox. Okay. I, I'm i definitely more of the cerebral sort of satire that Matt Stone and Trey Parker do than, than see South Park is more satire and Family Guy is more farce if you really want to split hairs it's uh, Family Guy is about absurdity and um, it it's really very tongue in cheek and South Park is just straight up like like hang your balls over the fire satire pretty much it, like <laughs> it's uh, which which i love and i but i can only i, I watch it in like spurts and i, I kind of go in between but I, I love the movie the movie has maybe my one of my top five movie soundtracks of all time oh, bigger, dude. Longer, and uncut. bigger longer and uncut probably again one of my favorite movies of all time but i still regularly go back and listen to that soundtrack all the time dude it is oh, yeah. so yeah me too clever it's so good <laughs> And speaking of uh, um, of these two, I always get their last names mixed up. Matt, Matt Stone, Matt and, Stone Trey and Trey Parker. Parker yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do Matt Parker and Trey Stone sometimes, but yeah, Matt Stone and Trey Parker and music. Have you seen or have you heard the music from the Book of Mormon musical? Absolutely, I love it. Ah, oh, dude, it's I so love good. It. I love it. So good. I've not actually had the pleasure of seeing the Broadway show, but it is on the list of shows that I want to see for Broadway because I've seen Absolutely a lot of Broadway too. shows. But that's one of them that I've not. Yeah, if that one ever comes to Dallas, I'm definitely I'm going to go see it. Hopefully, hopefully um, I can get Prof Jeff to come up and go see it with me because I don't think I have any other friends who would appreciate the musical <laughs> as much as I do. It's, it's I know you, gotta, you would you would appreciate the hell out of it though. Oh yeah, I absolutely would. Man, oh, it's so and good. just anyway, like okay, um, so talking the Book of Mormon <laughs> and tying it back to South Park. There's a, have you ever seen, so you've seen some South Park, but I don't know if you've seen them all, but like. I have not seen them all by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> there's an episode of South Park where they just completely, completely make fun of the Mormon religion. I do think I've seen that episode. Yeah. <laughs> if not, I've seen enough of like. Dumb, 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 dumb. Yep. And I'm not making fun of the, the the Mormon religion. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no. No, I, I, I respect all religions and all beliefs. I don't, I don't really care. You know, I don't I don't believe in anything, but I respect them all. But um, just that type of humor, like even if they were making fun of the which they make fun of the Christian, there's a character by the name of Jesus. I mean, like, right. Jesus is a character oh, yeah. in South Park. They make fun it's, of he all. Is a character. Yeah, they do not care. And that's what I love about Matt and Trey. They do not care about anything and they will make fun of everything they will make fun of everything even if it's just recently happened they will find a way to make it funny and make fun of it it's incredible it's incredible they do not tow any party lines they everybody is fair game and but man just to talk about this music this is so good it's so good you were talking about how it draws heavily from like lord of the rings influence and i think that's what the entire stick of truth yeah the entire stick of truth was kind of based on that anyway um which spawned off of an episode no three episodes of south park this was during the release of the playstation 4 and xbox 
uh, generation. Okay. So this this kind of trilogy of episodes for South Park came out in November of 2013, and it was the Black Friday Bundaroo episode where hmm. they were all trying to go to, and, and I'm saying it that way because the um, the that's just how they say it in the episode, Bundaroo. Because the news anchor, I guess we call him an anchor, for mm-hmm. the local news is like a Japanese guy. Um, but they all dressed up in like, you know, Cartman was a wizard and Kyle was an elf and Stan was a warrior. And like they just all had Lord of the Rings characters and they were all trying yeah. to take sides on which console they were going to get in. The track that I almost brought instead of this one was the Princess Kenny boss music because Princess Kenny is this like anime waifu type of character and the the loop of the track is only like 25 seconds so I didn't want to bring that because it's too short and it just it's the same thing over and over and over again but it's so clever and so good. Um, This particular song too reminds me heavily of what like um, why am I forgetting his name? One of the main composers of World of Warcraft. Why am I Jeremy Soul? No, not Jeremy Soul. Um, starts with Russell Brower. I almost had to look it okay. up, but I knew it'd come to me eventually. <laughs> Russell Brower reminds me a lot of what he's done in Warcraft as well. Okay, gotcha. A lot of similar influences there, I think. Great so, games. If you've yeah. not played The Stick of Truth, play it. If you've not played The Fractured Butthole, play it. I've not finished The Fractured Butthole. I need to still go back and finish that game because it is one that I put down and never went back to, which tends to happen sometimes. But these two games are fantastic. I haven't gotten into yet because I've been so limited, you know, with the kids always running around with what I could play with them up. And usually when they go to bed, I'm doing other stuff. So this is not a game that I would recommend you playing around your kids. (laughs) But yeah, they're they're on the list for sure. Both both this one and the fractured butthole. So nice. Yeah. Go check them out if you've not heard these soundtracks. Like I was telling Bedrock, the tracks for this particular game are quite lengthy. Uh, they they are long and they they do loop here and there, but there are some tracks that are like upwards of fifteen minutes that just don't loop, and it's so so good. So check them out. This 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 has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. This has this whole episode, man. It's been exactly what I expected it to be. Just a big trip down memory lane. Uh, run running a little long again because Happens. we just reminisce so much. But Happens. you know what? Anybody who knows our age. And Holy the crap! Of we're the almost show, at two hours. I didn't even realize. I had to look at my Audacity <laughs> audio. It's been so much fun, dude. It's, oh, well. it's been a blast. It's and been there's, an you know, there's so many blast. of these games. We could easily do a part two of this. It's just so easy because there's that's music oh, is yeah. so good. We have to. I'm we getting have tired to. and I'm starting to ramble. But <laughs> well, before you ramble off and, and fall asleep on me, I know it's getting late for me too. But we have a closeout track to talk about, which happens to be your last pick of the episode. We do, and like you said, it it comes really well off of that uh, uh, South Park track you just played. This is from The Legend of Korra, uh, which I'm sure released on, I don't know, like the whatever consoles were out in that generation. I don't think it came to any Nintendo consoles, but like the Xbox, maybe the Xbox One, PS4, I, you're, I think you're looking it up. Yeah, but, that's, uh, <laughs> um, that, that, yeah, PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, Xbox One. So it was that era. It okay, was, gotcha. So yeah, it, re- Cora, it, it released um, in 2014, but so that means it was a cross-generational game. Okay, gotcha. This was actually developed, if I'm not mistaken, by Platinum Games. It was indeed. 
and so it's got that style of play was not as um, as highly regarded as some other Platinum uh, properties, but was uh, solidly mediocre from the reviews I've seen, um, which is a little bit of a shame because, uh, uh, you know, the whole premise of being able to control the elements, and Korra also was a great hand-to-hand combat fighter, uh, could have been really cool, but uh, the music in this soundtrack was a lot of fun and very reminiscent of the music from the show, which is just phenomenal. Uh, we're going to be listening to Fire and Ice is the name of my track, which I'll come back to in the actual readout. But Fire and Ice, of course, because the whole uh, the whole Korra is the Avatar. Uh, this is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender, where the Avatar is Aang, uh, who, of course, is the last surviving airbender in this world. Which you were and telling me you were a big fan war. of. Because I will never shut up. But I was yes, going to say, you said you're a big fan. fan. <laughs> yep. And generally, uh, generally speaking, there are four different nations based on four different core elements, earth, water, fire, and air. And there are different people called benders who can manipulate these like certain elements. Uh, so Aang is an airbender, um, who uh, his nation happens to be monks. And that's as deep as I'm going to go because I'm not going to understand myself. But the Avatar is a reincarnated figure uh, reborn um, with uh, basically with some similar power and memories of all of his past lives or her past lives. Okay. And the Avatar is able to control all four elements. And so Korra is the Avatar after Aang dies. Um, so she's Aang's next life. And there's a sequel series that's all about her that's called The Legend of Korra. Um, not as good as the original, but still very good in its own right and a very different feel from the original show. Um, I've known some people who loved the first one and were not really able to get into Korra at first. I always tell them, give it a second chance because that's what I had to do. And the second time around, I loved it, especially when I watched it with my kids. And so Fire and Ice, I'm sure this is some kind of epic duel between Korra and some other, like some, uh, a waterbender who can manipulate ice or a firebender uh, but this is straight up boss music and yeah, I'm excited I think be. it's going to get a good closeout track pump you up for the rest of your day heck yeah so <laughs> this is like you said this is definitely epic it, it definitely has a bit of speed behind, even though it is epic it has a bit of speed behind it that I'm really a big fan of kind of that South Park track was a bit slower in nature so this is a good way to, to close things out momentum. <laughs> yeah this is a good way to close things out but before we get to that, I think that is going to do it for this episode. Like I said, I had so much fun. I'm glad we actually, we didn't wait too long to do this one after our games based on movie adaptations. That wasn't that long ago, so we didn't put too much separation in between those. But I'm glad we didn't, because this was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <sighs> but I think that's it. I think that's going to bring us to the close of the show, unless you have anything else you want to add before we get on out of here. No, I think I'm good, man. I have said all the words. <laughs> all right, said all the words, so I'll say a few more. That is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of the show for this week. We do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. And I know I've said this on a few shows now, uh, if you and you're probably not because RPGera.com has been updated in almost a year now. Uh, I am working on it again in the back end, and that website will be back, focusing mostly just on reviews again. 
Um, I, I've deleted and purged all podcast posts off of the off of the website. Um, it's still not showing correctly yet because I don't have it set correctly yet, but I will soon. And yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be starting to put up reviews again for new release games pretty soon on RPGera.com. So Good if you're deal. not going there, make sure you check it out. Bookmark it. Check it in a couple weeks. It should be uh, active and we're hoping to get reviews going again as soon as next week. So we'll see what happens. But if you like video game music and more importantly, you like us and you want to help grow this particular show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. All right, Bedroth, what are we going to close out with? Closing out the show, we are going to be listening to Fire and Ice from The Legend of Korra, released October 21st, 2014, composed by Naofumi Harada and Hitomi Kurokawa. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.